In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Show. Today, I have a super awesome guest here with me, Rob Gill. What's Ooh. going on, my wow. friend? Pam, thank you so much for having me part of the show. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm totally pumped up. I'm totally pumped up to meet you, my friend. Tell me about yourself. The number one question that everyone always says, who's Rob Gill? What wow. does Rob Gill do? Rob Gill is the founder of Epic Financial Strategies, which is really a one-stop shop financial planning center for individuals, entrepreneurs, business owners, and corporate executives. And we do proper planning through really showing folks how to organize all their financial data on one landing page so they can see their world in real time with the click of a button. So whenever it comes to those decisions on what to invest in, they can do it logically with math and science, not emotional timidity, because mm-hmm. they don't have organization. If they can't measure and monitor, then they throw things against the wall and see where it sticks. So we try and avoid all that for everybody. There you go. Epic. So that's an epic name. Yeah. That's yeah. that's for what's so that's cool, right? It's super fun. It actually means something. It means empower. It? So we want all the folks that work with us to be empowered, protect, integrate, and coordinate. You know, so if you think of uh, you know, maybe some some situations where you may have bought certain products from mm-hmm. different people for different reasons without really having a, a true approach to it. It's almost like having a junk draw of financial planning. Well, the integration and coordination part of the IC at Epic is we show how to folks to have to show how their money can communicate with each other in different buckets and, you know, really give them the financial freedom that they're looking for. That's amazing. I have a lot of questions for you, but I'm going to start with what did you want to be when you grew when you grew up? Well, they gave me a nickname two years ago, which is Big Sugar, but that's not what I wanted to be when I grew up. (laughs) So I was fortunate enough to, uh, and I share this on whenever I have an opportunity to do a podcast, because I think it's important for all the listeners. I grew up in a very basketball-rich family. My sister married Bob Hurley, who's the the winningest high school coach in, in high school sports history in basketball. And he coached a company, a company. He coached a team called St. Anthony's. 27 national championships, four national titles, six division, six NBA draft picks, and 142 division one scholarships for a school that only held 300 people. Oh my God. And I bring that up because early on in my life, my sister being a lot older than me, when I first met them through marriage, because she married Bob Hurley's brother, I was thrusted into like a basketball environment that it was just, it was so, the standard was so high. So high. Mm-hmm. So as a result of it, I was fortunate enough to be around proximity, right? Yep. And I was able to play college basketball because I was surrounded by high level achievers. Mm. Fast forwarding. So when I was growing up, I wanted to be in the NBA, you know, mm-hmm. but by the time I got to high school, I realized that wasn't going to happen to answer your first question. Mm. But the lessons I learned in the eighties and I'm aging myself. When I met folks like Chris Crone and Sean Callagy, and I saw what I saw, I knew I was not going to make the same mistake twice mm-hmm. because the same thing I saw in the eighties is what I was saw the last three or four years from now. And that's greatness on an entrepreneurial business level. 
I love that. So when you talk about being at a higher standard, that's what happened to me. So I told you my dad was a basketball player. Yeah. So when I play, I was captain of my team yeah. and the pressure was on, man. My dad went to my games. He was like four points. She's like, I scored like 30. <laughs> like when I was here, I'm just like, no pressure. So why would you say that? That sort of reminded me about, about those notes. I would walk off the game. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't score 30 points. Yeah. But you know, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what led you sort of in your career path to be sort of where you're at today? You know, um, thanks for that access. Um, I, I had the good fortune of living two lives, one of self-imprisonment and one of freedom. And what that meant was, you know, at the age of 26, I got sober from alcohol and drugs. You know, from age 18 to 25, I lived a life that, you know, there was many chances that I could have myself shuffled off this water coil, you know, not be here. Mm -hmm. uh, got shot at, got arrested. But the beautiful thing is I was lucky enough to have winners in my life that introduced me to the 12-step program. And when you think of Alcoholics Anonymous, the first thing in my life before anything else, family even, Mm -hmm. and finance is that I have to show up sober every day because if I don't then I'm not going to have any of this stuff right? right so if I show up with the 12 step in mind and don't drink that day and I help another alcoholic or just another person achieve some kind of right. either fiscal sobriety sobriety from drugs or alcohol or any kind of sobriety then, then then I won that day and once that happened a buddy of mine who got arrested for arson introduced me to a, a job on Wall Street and I became a coal caller and I had nothing else going on in my life. I didn't have a college degree. Prior to that, there was no history of me having a job. So for the next seven years, I made four to 500 dials a day, every day from eight in the morning till seven, eight at night. Like the movie Wolf on Wall Street? It's the same exact thing, really? except in the Wolf of Wall Street. And here's the distinction for all the folks that are listening. If in the movie, if somebody invested 5,000 in a stock. Yeah. The stock didn't exist and they made $5,000 or $2,500. In our world, when we had somebody invest 5,000 in stocks, we made like a hundred bucks because it was a real company. Mm -hmm. So, but we did the phones just the way they did, except we didn't lie, but the same energy and the same enthusiasm mm -hmm. that it takes. Because when you're dialing all day long, you could be the most educated person. You could be book smart. You could have all the answers in rooms like this when it's not the real court. Right. Mm -hmm. But once you get on the phone, if you don't understand enthusiasm and if you don't understand how enthusiasm is what makes the world move, then yep. you're not going to succeed in that business. Right. And it's energy, too. Yep. So it's like and, and I tell people in business all the time, I'm like, hustle outbeats talent every single day no of the week. So it's like you walked in there and you were just like, I'm just going to I'm just going to do this. I did. It. Just, what was interesting. Yeah. I wasn't good. Really? Not at first. I it was amazing. Someone, my first mentor, Jay Bilstein, he had me read a book, Thinking Grow Rich, which was awesome. Oh, Napoleon, Napoleon Hill. Yes. And he also had me read a book by Robert Cialdini, which is How to Master Influence in the Six Tools, Commitment hmm. and Consistency, Reciprocity, Scarcity, Liking, Social Proof, and Authority. And if you have these tools in your language, you can really begin to move people along. So when I started working on Wall Street, I, I worked after my first mentor, Jay Bilson, a gentleman by the name of Joe Hagan, who one of my partners that's behind you, I've known him since uh, the late 90s. He's known for the financial plans that he created on, uh, for the pilgrims that were coming over. That's how old he is. Um, and he's done a tremendous job. And um, with that being said, though, uh, Joe Hagan, he gave us a book, two books, 
Og Mandino's greatest salesman in the world, which is rinse and repeat model all day long, mm. and the magic of uh, thinking big, right? So those like four or five books are still in me. You know what I mean? And I went from opening like eight accounts a month, you know, maybe like it was a slow grind. Yeah. And then one month I opened 64, four years later. Wow. So what was interesting is, and, and this is where temperature, ceiling of complexity comes into play. You might not remember this, but in the late nineties, we would be able to buy a stock at three and sell it at 50 because the internet stocks were running real fast. Right. So all of a sudden I'm making 30 grand. It didn't even make sense. That just was something I could never make. I came from blue collar by own. You know, right. we, I didn't understand that kind of money. So work ethic kind of slows down a little bit, right? Mm. And then all of a sudden the internet stocks got blown up. Microsoft gets sued by the government and now they don't work anymore. So now I had a stocks weren't moving so you couldn't buy and sell because we did it the right way. Right. Then I had to learn how to open new accounts. This was four years into my career. And because of the desperation, God, yeah. the gift of desperation, mm -hmm. I just took all my years of learning and everything else and in that one month, I, it was a breakthrough of epic proportions because, you know, I went from my normal, maybe 10 or 15 accounts to 64. And in that moment, I was able to create a model and train like all the guys and gals in this room right now, the language and the presentation of the six tools of persuasion, give it to Billy and have him read it over and over again, knowing that there's only six things a client could say. And I was able to share with everyone in the room um, how to do it. And that's what we're doing now with Epic and a whole nother thing that I'm doing with Chris and Sean. That's incredible. That's incredible. So you're basically building out the system and kind of going from there and scaling it up. But learning from the mistakes I made in the past. Right. So what were some of the biggest challenges in your past? You know, when starting up, right? um, that's always the hardest part. The first three to five years of business, I always say, is the most yeah, difficult. Um, you know, what happened for me is I was so used to not making money. Mm. So in 1996, I made 12 grand, 97, 28, uh, 98, 42. Internet's 99, above 30. Mm. Internet's go south. I went down to 75. And that's when I say my career started. Mm. And what happened is that's when I was training everybody. So I went from like a buck 25 to 200. But then I opened up my own office. So mm. I was no longer working for Joe and for Jay. So on the same business that I was making 250 on, my payout doubled. So now I'm making a half a million on what I would normally make 250 on. Wow. So because I grew up with no money and because I had a chip on my shoulder and because I weaponized everything in my life, then came out the Mercedeses and the gold chains and <laughs> you know, diamond crosses and sweatpants and sweatsuits, velour sweatsuits. Yep. Oh, velour you know, sweatsuits. I invested, yes. I invested a hundred grand <laughs> into a boxing promotional company. Oh, wow. Just crazy, you know, doing like good investments, but just yeah, spending very bad. And I wasn't recruiting. Mm. I had the same core guys and I wasn't, that's the mistake I made that I'll, that'll never happen again. Because what happened is it eventually just kind of eroded. Mm. Things happened in business, some challenges came up, everyone went their own way. And the rebirth of our business began in 2014. Wow. That's gonna be my next question. What was the, what was the biggest aha moment in business for you? Mm. Not even just in business, just in life in general, that sort of like that pivoting moment where you're like, okay, sound on. There's a lot, but I'll tell you what's present for me Yes. right now. I used to be able to make a million dollars. And now it's not like, hey, if I make a million, two or three million, it's not like 
It's really about what can I do with that money to make society better? Mm. What can I do with that money to make my community better? What can I do with that money to make my family better? And I don't mean, you know, vacations or anything like that. I'm talking more about, you know, how can we continue to give back? How can we continue to train? How can we use this money to really move Epic, the, the company, yeah. into a whole other stratosphere? So where we're educating agents and advisors on how to do proper planning with clients in non-traditional ways. And at the same time, you know, we're, we're serving our community, both locally, statewide, and hopefully nationally, and maybe even around the world for proximity. Amen. You'll get there. I know you will with that mentality and that hustle. You totally will. And this team, come on, you guys are awesome. So with that, what's different about Epic? Because, you know, there's so many financial firms and, yeah. all, and some people are like, I don't even get what that is. You know, like what differentiates your company from anybody else who's out there besides the fact that you're Epic? Because we know that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I think for us, we want to make sure that whenever we talk to somebody, we meet them where they are, mm. not where we want them to be. Nice. Right. So that, that's like a real starting point. If you look at our industry, you know, you'll have the advisors over here and the insurance agents over here, and they're both fighting for the same dollar and they both kind of make fun of each other. Right. If their worlds could be integrated, because mm -hmm. I think that your financial plan could be different than Parker's, than Brianna's, than Billy's. Mm -hmm. And listen, John's 90 and you're 30. <laughs> so those are two different plans. Right. 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 So Eddie's 40 and Brianna's. 22, whatever, right? So those are two different plans. The problem is in the industry, they try and do a cookie cutter plan on everything. Mm. So I think for us, it's like everything, so, you know, in a customized plan for you, for John, for Eddie, for Billy, for Brianna, those are five different plans. They should not look alike. Yeah. And I think what we're really good at, because we don't work nine to five, is executing on what people really are looking to do with their money. So if I say to you, what are your goals and objectives? And you share it to me, with me, and you also share with me your economic philosophy. And we do a full deep dive in really understanding who you are from the core. Mm -hmm. We could create and execute on a plan that sits and fits with your goals and objectives. That's amazing. Probably one of the best interviews you've ever had. This is golden right here. Golden. This is a major question that I ask everybody. But what would your older self tell your younger self based on where you're at in life now? So like a, a 50 tell my 30 because I'm 50 or... Or a 70 tell because I don't know what the 70 year old guys, you got a new wife or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's just like, like your teenage self. What would you tell oh, your teenage boy. self? Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that question. Wow. Yeah. I would tell my teenage self to stick with the game plan, mm. have faith in the long term of what you're doing, avoid as much as you can the desire to have social proof, and understand the world is a lot bigger than your neighborhood. Right. Right. It's global marketplace now. I would right love to be able to tell that to my 17-year-old self right now. That's awesome. And now you mentioned those four books that really influenced your mm -hmm. whole mind state. So which one would you say was like your favorite, favorite? It's hard. I know. You know, when I'm, in, <laughs> when I'm in the mode of scaling my business and bringing on advisors, the one the one that stands out is Ogmandino is the greatest salesman in the world. Like that book is rinse and repeat all over the place because we have the good fortune. I think one of the things that we have right now that, that no one in my business has if I'm going to hire you, I'm going to say, look, we're going to train you in our model and teach you how to fish. And during that time, we're going to give you 30, 40 leads a month while you're lifting off into your career. No one's doing that in our world. What they do is they'll say, Pam, do me a favor. Come work over here at Epic. Give me a list of 200 people that you know that's family and friends and set up meetings for me and the rest of the team. And then you can learn by watching us. 99% of the industry do that. And I think because of we're creating ways to bring in leads every month and appointments. Nice. 
we have the ability to scale at a very, very fast pace. So if I'm going to scale in that, in that sense, we're going to go with Agnandino. Um, but definitely set up mastermind groups and get more into Napoleon Hill as far as really understand how each person or each individual can be part of the, the overall team. But if, when it really comes to effective change, there's seven steps, right? Mm -hmm. Number one, it's you want to meet the person where they are, right. right? Right. And if I'm meeting you where you are and I'm appreciating your world, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm doing a lot of listening through rapport building questions. Mm -hmm. And then through that, you're feeling comfortable in communicating with me some of your challenges. I could then define your challenges, but in a solvable term, meaning I don't like when someone in my office says, hey, this is a problem. I like when someone says, this is a problem. Here's my solution, solution. right? And then create empowering alternatives, test it. But if everybody in here is part of something bigger, what begins to happen is they create world movements in their own individual world from the collective move of who Epic is. If you could follow that, God bless you, because I feel a little tongue twister. I know, I love that. I love that. And now, like, where can the world find you, my friend? How can they reach you? How can they contact you and Epic? You know, that. thank you. The thing that's awesome is every day we're pushing free content on YouTube. Every day. Nice. Um, we have videos coming out nonstop. And it's not just me. It's about my team, right? So each member is bringing out different information. So they can pick us up at... The YouTube channel YouTube. is Epic Financial Strategies. And um, just subscribe. That would be the greatest gift you can give me. You know, Perfect. that would be the greatest gift. That deal is done. We yeah. got you. Got and you, got the you. website is epicfinancialstrategies.co. Nice. So everyone, that is where you can find awesome Rob and his awesome, awesome team. Rob, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Such an honor to have you and the team here in the room. Yep. Thank you. Awesome. And I know everyone's going to be learning so much from your interview. I can't wait. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so Thanks much. Thanks for the opportunity. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. <laughs>